You still with me? Yeah. Should I, should I use my hidden voice? No, use your regular <laughs> voice. I'm going to do a bit of an introduction um, on today's uh, episode of the Rex Crim show. I'm going to be sitting down to chat with my dear and longtime friend who is soon to be wed. Uh, he's a, he loves playing music. He's an animal lover, um, an animal himself at times that works for a major tech firm in Canada. Um, so I'm trying to get a, a sense and want to pick your brain a little bit about uh, digital architecture, software, and security in uh, this new world order of COVID where everyone is, uh, is having to connect via the internet. So uh, allow me to introduce my one and well, I won't say only, but a perhaps longest friend. Known only as Greg. <laughs> Like share only only one name. God love you. You sound you sound great. I mean, you've got a good audio setup. Um, I can see some heads of uh, guitars in the background. You're in the, the studio, so to speak. Yeah, I, I cleared out some of the beer bottles from the background, so it looked a, a little bit more professional. Yeah, smart. But I'm sure you've got. They were empty. <laughs> it's after the working day now, so I'm sure you've probably got a, a beer cracked uh, off off camera yeah we'll try and keep it out of the view of the camera yeah not to worry we're not going to record the uh no video just audio so um feel free to to be your usual self so um maybe uh let's start with like what it's been like for you in uh since the pandemic we haven't the last time we saw each other was the coincidentally the last time we were out of the country in a warm location where we had a ball you were in you were in love uh you were head over heels at that time. Yeah, that was that was our last chance uh, to get out of the country before it was. I think two weeks later, it was no more travel. Quite. We lucky. were there. Will Will we share the destination, or is that important? Oh, I, I think uh, it's it's a big country. <laughs> it was uh, it was around the time you know that things were were unfolding because I guess it was like just the first week in March of two thousand and twenty. We were there. Dominican Republic. And I guess it started to, we realized how it was getting bad, at least me and uh, my sweetheart who was with me. So we couldn't have had that great of a yeah. time, I guess. If yeah, I, I remember before we left, uh, I had a cold and so I was coughing in the, in the airport and, and uh, my sister and mom are looking at me like, don't cough in public. <laughs> Hide that shit. <laughs> so it was, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely something that was in the back of people's minds, hearing what was going on in the world. But yet, we were still out and about. We were uh, remarking, me and my honey, who shall re remain nameless for the time being, on the uh, flight back. You know, there was someone like the seat behind us coughing. We were looking at each other, and she's a nurse and had lots of hand sanitizer. And um, thank God, someone was being precautious because I. You know. I hear if you drink that stuff, it uh, it can like disinfect your insides. I know, I know people, <laughs> I know people who drink that. So laughing matter or not, uh, that's a serious thing. <laughs> so, but I, uh, I'm trying to get to, I was going to say, you know, it seemed to be getting serious around that time when I saw, a we learned a cruise ship had been turned away from the area where we were. And that was the beginning signs of uh, this sort of new world order. But what I want to get to is, you know, you describing your, daily life i mean you're where where are you living at the moment uh, what is your address <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right down to the i'll give you the gps coordinates <laughs> just give me the, just give me the postal code or no, it's yeah, the the day-to-day -day is a lot more uh, uh less interesting than it was in the summer that's for sure so 
I think I started working from home. Oh man, it must've been like three weeks after we got back. I think uh, last week of March or something, it was, uh, had, hadn't been to the office since. So in the summer, it's my day to day has been great. It's like, uh, we go to the, go to the lake and uh, work from the Marina, Mm -hmm. all all that kind of fun stuff, working in the sun, uh, the day to day now, now that it's winter is a lot less, uh, a lot less fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you're, so, you're 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 indoors most of the time uh, yeah a solitary person hiding inside uh with a bunch of pets trying to get through the work day i remember growing up with you and i always you know thought you were an indoor cat yourself <laughs> we used to joke we used to joke that you had a i hear pets in the background too i uh we used to joke that you had a, a tan from the moon on account of not leaving, yeah. not leaving the basement you've always had a thing for for technology and it doesn't really need sunlight i guess yeah well i i decided for this uh this whole work from home thing to set up at the kitchen table so I, i've had enough of the sitting in the basement i did that enough uh, in my youth and and while i was working on a thesis <laughs> no more basement it's cold and lonely down here it's nice that um I, we'll get into your schooling because i want to kind of unfold your credentials um but for now let's give anyone interested uh who's who's tuned in this long uh, a sense of what what it's like living in our nation's capital i I got a question what's uh what's the bathroom break policy on the rex crim show i'm glad you brought that up because (laughs) this is um we'll just you know just tell me and we'll we'll make it happen and if i got to edit out some time we're probably gonna try to coordinate our our pee breaks i'm probably going to join you with a beverage in fact uh why don't we do it like this? And that way there's a record of it. Uh, yeah, I'll just I, have I pre- one though. This is my own I, personal time for the record. I, I pre-opened mine before so you wouldn't hear the uh, the evidence. Well, I'm gonna I'm recording it on two separate mono tracks. So um, any background noise that's made while one or the other is talking, you can edit it out. It's, it's it works well. Is that a, is that a Zoom feature or using a, a third party? something uh no it's zoom uh, that works well i if um we'll do a shameless plug for the platform that we're using and um links in the detail <laughs> links in the show <laughs> notes of uh, the platform that we're using if no one's ever heard of it zoom works really great started out with questionable uh questionable security features but seem to have um they seem to have turned it around they have a feature where you can record it and it does a pretty good job and uh you can yeah so the fact that you've you've got a good audio setup and a microphone and some headphones is uh, better than I can say for some of my guests. My mom, for example, who had a phone ringing in the background every thirty seconds, and uh, but I <laughs> but you'll, you'll have pets uh, going and and uh, your sweetheart who's there presumably in the house with you now. She'll be scratching at the door oh, in yeah. an hour or so. Yeah, she'll she'll be yelling yelling at the dogs. Yeah. Well, that's okay. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to. I'll have to bleep out the dogs' names. They didn't consent to uh, <laughs> to joining the show or being owned, for that matter. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I mean, cohabiting a space. Um, I'm sort of on and off with my work. I'm uh, required in the city, sort of one week and out of the city one week. So I get to be with her when I'm not in Toronto, and then when I'm in Toronto, I am in a my own little unit cell, if you will that i uh yeah that i inhabit so i get the best of both worlds but but uh, i'm going into the office for my job and deemed essential and you're 
able to do all your work remotely. Yeah. I, uh, I went to the office uh, yesterday. It was a day before I went in to pick up a laptop as a ghost town. I think there was about 10 cars outside compared to usually, I don't know, 400. And what about your, uh, your sweetheart? She's working from home exclusively. No, she's, uh, she's, t- uh, she's working. <laughs> also, she's an educator. Yes. An educator. Yeah. Well, we'll use a, a vague term. <laughs> Are you able to share your, your title? What is it? What is your official title? Um, it, it varies from day to day. Um, they're in the process of changing it right now. So it, it'll probably end up something like uh, system architect. System architect. So the idea of architecture is actually, I wondered when I put that in the email to you, if it was an appropriate term or not, but I guess I'm right on the money as always. Yeah. So a system architect or software engineer, is that a, an appropriate title or is that out of vogue these days? Yeah, there's, there's similar. similar. Um, you know, like the, the software engineering position is, um, you know, it, it's the same idea. The architect level is is more on coordinating many different software products and, and projects and making sure that they coordinate together, designing systems. Whereas like uh, software engineers, you know, a broad term, the, let's say the job title of software engineer would typically be, um, less you know like design work and stuff but but less like overall far-reaching designs that across span multiple systems and stuff like that as opposed to a software engineer or designer um this is a higher level i mean you're managing a team i think right yeah i'd I'd be managing like the technical direction of of an entire team or multiple teams Mm -hmm. now was uh, without disclosing the company was has um has has the company that you've been employed for been in the news lately? Has it been uh, subject to any scandals or uh, anything uh, of interest? Take your time. Uh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, Do you have stock in 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 the company that you're um, employed I, by? That's kind of like a a yes and no kind of thing. Um, I have locked in shares, like, uh, they call them RSUs. So those, uh, those are shares that you're awarded and it's, I feel like it's more of a retention type award. So, uh, when you're granted them, they vest over three years, starting the year after, uh, they've been granted. So the, the idea there is if you stay for three years, you get the full award spread out over those three years. Um, and they're granted in the form of stocks. So you're kind of you're incentivized to stay, and you're also incentivized to uh, contribute in a positive way that drives up the stock price. Because then, in the end, you you benefit from from the to price going the, up. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, let's see the the performance go well. It's in everyone's best interest uh, if you have money, skin in the game, so to speak. So um, you're. Why don't we share with people like how we know each other? Where did we first meet? Hmm. Did we, did we meet before the kindergarten that, class? That's the that's the, that's the million dollar question. I think at least you know it goes back to kindergarten, so several decades to to say the least. Yeah, I imagine it was probably the kindergarten class. Was it you who sent me the recent uh, memorial of the late? Um, I guess we can say her name since she's passed now. The the late. Uh, I, I don't that that that'll uh, <laughs> t- 
that's going to hone us in pretty oh, pretty quick so? on the geographic coordinates. <laughs> I think I, so. I guess, yeah, I guess anyone could look it up. I don't know. I don't think it says so in the um, obituary when I read it. it. I don't think it said specifically where she was an educator, but ultimately we're not there anymore and it doesn't even exist. Yeah, that's true. I guess, yeah, internet records don't go far enough back to when we were in kindergarten for someone to uh, to go connecting those dots. But, but rest assured, um, you know, this is being recorded and uh, everything going on today in the last few years and, and uh, moving forward is there's a record, according to uh, Edward Snowden's recent book. Yeah. And yes, I, I was the one that sent you that. I found it on the Facebook, which you're not a part of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not on Facebook and I, I don't really bother with social media, uh, except lately I've been dabbling with Reddit. And um, maybe more than I'd like to admit, I can't yeah. not call that social media. Yeah, I, I actually, I never really paid much attention to that until probably the last year. I'm finding it to, I find it to be a good source of, of information from, let's say, fellow Tesla owners or something Is like that. The that. Uh, no, I'm just it, <laughs> no, yeah, not, not in Canada. I have a friend, actually. I have but, a friend uh, who works for Tesla now. I might invite him on the show. Oh yeah, that, is it? Is he in Canada? He is in Canada. Yeah, he's uh, in the GTA. No, okay. So I guess it must be remote work for them. He's uh, helping with, um, uh, in some capacity, he's helping service vehicles, and he's like a customer liaison or rep. Okay, yeah. So, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, with with Reddit, it's a it's a good it's a good way to find like a a community of people that are kind of talking about the same thing, but without like you can be a passive participant where you know you just consume you don't need to be registered to an account and and all this stuff and be invited to a private group that's it's easy you can just search through reddit or or through the internet for for some things and you'll you'll find a bunch of people who are talking about it i am using it for uh, advice in in buying stocks actually and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe part of the reason I'm in such a good mood today is that one of the stocks I'm invested in is uh, performing well. I, I may as well say it because it's in everyone's best interest who uh, who's invested in this stock. But I, I do think there's a real breakthrough to come with the psychedelic um, mind med uh, in particular is a stock. Have you ever heard of that one? No. Well, it's up and coming and um, it just goes to show how my information is sort of... Uh, you know, um, it's not as objective because I'm subscribing to different investment groups and, you know, we'll get into the topic of feedback loops and uh, how the algorithm actually works, which is what I think you can shed light on, but we're not done yet lingering on, uh, on your credentials. So maybe, uh, you mentioned earlier your thesis and, uh, are you, you're not working on a thesis now, are you? No, no, I, I finished that. But you worked, uh, I... you, you tell us about, you know, your your degree uh well, i've got an undergrad in computer engineering and a, a master's in electrical and computer engineering um the, the master's there was uh thesis based so I, I actually did half of it while i was working that was uh that was a challenge it's hard to get motivated to write when you've kind of already got a day job going on I, i'm in a terrible habit of interrupting and when you're doing this podcast thing it's like it's not a conversation it's like i say something stop you say something yeah continue and it's it's unnatural well like um if you're if you're doing the the dual audio recordings there does it actually interrupt 
you know, when you're, when you're talking with the speakers on and, and the microphones, it'll cut off people's audio. But if you've got the split tracks there, do they actually, do they actually run over each other? They do. So I, I just cut myself out when I'm being a fool and, and ask you a question. And then I start asking you a second question while you're not done answering the first one. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. But I, you know, it's not as fun. Um, I mean, editing it in the post-production does, it is time consuming and uh, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning the skill of just, I'm learning listening skills in this, uh, in this sort of project. Where did you study? Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> Hey, if you're not comfortable uh, answering anything, you just tell me not. But there's not really any rules. I'm just delicate about um, my particular employment and uh, representing uh, my ideas only as as myself. Yeah, well, we'll leave it. We'll leave it off. We'll say uh, a reputable uh, Canadian university that's recognized internationally. Okay. Yeah. Very good. That that works well. I like talking around the subject, and especially you know if it becomes sensitive. Um, you just tell me no. You hey, don't have any obligation. Oh, this is a great chance to practice uh, like political speech. And, you know, you see the politician, someone will ask them a very direct, concise answer or a question that that has a very, you know, like obvious answer. There's a way to answer it. There's information that you're asking for. But somehow they manage to answer it without actually providing any of the information that the, you know, the person posing the question asked for. So I, I'll practice that. <laughs> Well, I, you should be, uh, you're usually a straight sh- shooter though. So that might be a bit of a challenge yeah, for you. Exactly. But, uh, we should, we shall see politics, um, are, are a regular topic of conversation on this show I'm finding. So, uh, yeah, I mean, kindergarten, uh, underachievement in, in school to overachievement in grad school <laughs> and, um, you know, accomplished uh, thesis writers our parents would be so proud you know they probably wouldn't have thought that in grade three you know when we were doing uh, lines for mrs rabaza yeah uh, yeah for sure uh especially for the reasons why we were doing lines uh, those, those, there was there was always something silly there we, we were in detention together i think or yeah, many times i think <laughs> and uh god only knows what the lines were I mean, I, I mean, I remember it being full scap. Yeah, that's that's a that's a lot of lines. I re- I remember sitting in my room on a nice sunny day writing these uh, writing these lines, being like, I want to go out and play. I think you, if I recall correctly, you might have uh, offered to type out the lines instead. <laughs> but um, she was insistent on you working on your cursive writing. Uh, yeah. So. Um, well, let's get into it then. Like, maybe you can, you know, bring us back to Reddit. And, you know, I'm not, I, I made a decision some time ago to get off of social media, although now it's so insidious, it seems to be creeping back into my life, whether it's through Reddit or, I mean, email, I think I've never given up. And that could be considered probably the most insidious type of social media, some might say. So, what is the problem? you know, what is the problem at hand specifically, you know, how would you Greg go about describing what is a feedback loop or or what is going on when people have a feed, you know, that they're, that I'm doing now with Reddit by scrolling through. Uh, I, I don't necessarily scroll through the, the Reddit stuff, but I, I'd say like being cognizant of my own behavior, you know, scrolling through the, the Facebook thing there is you're, you're constantly bombarded with, 
with stories and articles and information that most of the time can't be validated. Most of the time it, you know, it's someone posted that they saw something or, or did something or, or linking to sites that aren't credible. So I, I find there's, there's a lot of, you got to be careful what you're looking at and, and where you're getting your, your information. Cause the, there's a lot of stuff on there where even I'm like, I'm pretty conservative and, and I see some stuff on there. I'm like, uh, I don't think that's necessarily true. <laughs> I'd like to see some research back backing that. What is the term that you would like, is there a word um, or a term that would best describe this thing we're talking about? The feedback loops, another term I'm thinking of, filter bubble. Fake news. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to get into the politics of it all, but I, I guess I'm interested more in the technological side. I mean, I, I'm happy to give my take on, on politics and, you know, what's wrong with social media, but like, how does it work? And, um, and what, it, what is, what is concerning in your mind about it? I mean, is it, is the world headed in a, in a, in a direction that you have, faith in or is it something that you know you see room for improvement no it's like it's getting worse like a a lot of these things that you see when you're scrolling through your feeds um i'll speak mostly to facebook i don't i don't participate in in uh the other ones like twitter and and such but you know those sites and and algorithms are designed to keep you on there as long as possible so you know, gathering all this kinds of all this data about you as much as possible. Uh, you like a story, you're going to find more stories or more content like that being thrown in your face, more ads, more this, more that, based on what they're this profile they're collecting, uh, based on on you, and and your actions basically, and your interactions with the platform. And I'd probably go as far to say as your private conversations. I I don't see that being off limits either. I, I've definitely and I'm not the only one who's observed this is uh, either in, in private conversations um, in person or conversations typed through like a, a platform like uh, the Facebook messenger. I start to see ads based on, on things that I was talking about mm-hmm. and not necessarily interacting with throughout the internet, you know, where they're known to be tracking you. And, and this, this thing has been mentioned by multiple people that I've talked to is like, Hey, that's strange. We were just talking about that in person and now I'm getting ads for it plastered all over Facebook or, or sites or, or whatnot. I was, uh, I can't remember what I was listening to or what I was reading, but um, some thinker greater than I was highlighting that, you know, it seems as though we're being listened to, but, in actuality, it, it's it's not as efficient to spend all the energy and resources listening to that data. It makes more sense that actually what's happening is the algorithm is so pristine that it's in fact able to predict what it is that you were going to be talking about anyway. It, it, that could very well be the case. But one thing that we might have narrowed down talking, you know, sitting around the lunch table at work was um, if somebody, if, if one of the people in the group had been searching for something on their phone and you've, you've got a collection of Android phones, you know, you're all Android users. I wouldn't be surprised to see that they knew how 
close you were to each other. You're in proximity. So they can make an assumption that you're probably conversing or you're doing some kind of activity together and then be showing, you know, ads similar to, to content that a nearby phone was, was browsing. Like it's, you're a node on a network and it's all about relational understanding of one another. Yeah. Because a, a lot of this, this stuff around, around, Hey, we were just talking about that at lunch and now I'm getting ads on my phone about it. And I've never searched for it before. It, it makes sense if that thing was ha- that, that kind of thing was happening because your friend who brought up that subject was probably on his phone mm-hmm. looking at that stuff sometime in, in the short past. But what do you say to people like to play devil's advocate? These advertisements are something that, um, you know, it, it, I was listening to a, a YouTube, I mean, YouTube, Facebook, and Google, they're the biggest culprits. Um, and I, I try to be mindful of my time on YouTube, but it's a perfect example. It's recommending things that I'm interested in. So how do you dispute, you know, the claim that there's a convenience factor here? I mean, it's just recommending things you like. Well, there, there definitely is a convenience factor. And I, I personally like the YouTube recommender. I, um, I'm long past the days where I want to sit around and, and go hunting for, for stuff to listen to, like for mostly music. Um, when I'm on YouTube, it's usually music videos or live music or those types of things that I'm, that I'm watching. And Oh man, the, the days of trying to figure out what to watch next. I, I couldn't wait for those to go. Like I use Slacker radio because I can just set it to a station and say, Hey, play bands like Boston. And it'll, it'll play a bunch of music that is related and there's a good chance that I'll like. So I, I personally like that um, recommended content type of engine. So I don't have to think about what to play next. I don't have to curate a playlist. I don't have to really waste any time hunting for stuff, which is ideal. You, you bring up um, you know, a very good point. I, I subscribe to um, something similar, um, Spotify, and I love it. I mean, I, I love the fact that it's able to recommend music and podcasts that I'm interested in. And uh, like the algorithm really works. It works really well. But I, I think there's a distinction between are you, you you subscribe and pay for Slacker? Yeah, for Slacker, I do. I, I think there's a, a huge distinction to be made between, you know, paying for it where I'm, you know, versus the ad model. Like, what is the difference there in your mind? What do you mean? Well, if I go to Google and I type something in, you know, I'm not certainly that's all being tracked every link within Google, you know, but I'm not paying for that service. So I, I somehow trust that, you know, Spotify that I'm using to handle my information, you know, I have a relationship with them that I pay for the service. I pay for that algorithm and, and, and I should hope that, there's an agreement there, which, which I'm somehow protected from, from becoming the product. Right. Yeah. Because when you, when you use something, well, nothing's free. So when you use something free, they're getting something out of it. They'll find a way to get something out of it. But yeah, I, I kind of have that, that feeling too, if I'm paying for a service that, uh, you know, in that case, I'm not the product, right. I don't expect to be the product, but I don't necessarily, you know, that that's more of like a, a, maybe a false sense of, of security or, or lulled into a kind of a false sense of that because you're paying uh, like, let's take, for example, YouTube music is, is a new paid service. I don't know, maybe it came out last year or something like that. If I, I take that and then I look at the track record of Google and, and YouTube, 
if I was paying for that service, I don't think I would have any doubt in my mind that I'm still the product. I'm just, I'm just also paying. I, I, I doubt that they would be giving up the opportunity to collect more data about you just because you're paying. You're talking about YouTube service. I'm yes. I'm talking about YouTube. So, and then you kind of maybe have to take that and apply it to the other ones. Why wouldn't Spotify be having two different revenue streams, one from you and then one from selling information about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it's expressly, I don't know if it's expressly written in, in their terms of service or privacy policy, whether they do that or not. Yeah. That's something that I'm kind of curious about. I want to maybe look into the fine print because does, yeah, it does, you know, me paying for the subscription preclude my data being sold to advertisers in Google's oh, yeah. case. I think they're, they're up, you know, they're up there. Uh, what, what are the top, top five? You know, if we were to rank them, I think Facebook's up there probably as the worst, ba- at least based on the, uh, on the, you know, the, the poor representation they've had in media lately, but Google's up there, Microsoft, uh, Amazon. Um, we were all chatting in our, in our group chat the other night, uh, you know, and it was brought to my attention. One of our friends works for Microsoft and uh, I mean, who knew how much data is being handled by Amazon in the cloud? Like, I think a lot of the U.S. servers are being handled. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like Netflix, for example, is run on AWS, on Amazon Web Services, and you know, like, but those those types of things is you know, like every consumer of AWS. Um, you know, there's contracts and agreements in place. Uh, Amazon's not snooping their traffic just because it's running on their cloud platform. Mm-hmm. What is AWS? How does that, how does that work? So that's, um, that's Amazon, the company's um, like web infrastructure side of the kind company. Of like, kind of like Google is owned by a higher power known as Alphabet. Uh, actually, I don't think Amazon is split up. I, I might be wrong on that, but I, I think it's all still under one entity. So there's there's Amazon Music, there's Amazon the storefront, there's Amazon Web Services. Um, I'm not sure what other. I I don't know if they're working on an autonomous car, like a you know all these kinds of different divisions. I, I know for a fact that they're working on drone deliveries, and in in Ottawa they've got uh, an office here that's working on on autonomous flight uh, deliveries. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these these are all under the umbrella of of the the main Amazon company, as far as I know. What about um, yeah? I mean, so we'll agree. I don't know how many there are at the at the time being, but let's say there's the top five, I think, or five or seven, depending on who you're counting. What is your sense? You know, is it that it's things are going to con- you know move towards di- diversifying, so there will be more big players, or do you have a sense that these companies will sort of slowly amalgamate into fewer and fewer until there's sort of one. And if so, well, hopefully that, uh, no, I, I did my pro I did, the, so. I did the yeah. same thing that I just, you know, I'm consciously trying not to do. I'm sorry, but you, you see where I'm trying to go with this. Yeah. Well, actually uh, I can't remember where it is. It might be in, in the European union. They're trying to break up Facebook or uh, that was a, something that was at least being talked about. I think it was the European union, but I, I'm not hundred percent on that. So basically forcefully um, breaking the company up because they are already deemed to be too big of an, a monopoly. 
um, with their with their recent acquisitions of things like WhatsApp, um, they're becoming uh, uh, too big of a market power. So, you know, we may see it actually going in the opposite direction rather than, you know, the the bigger fish is combining in, until there's only one giant one. We might see it go the opposite way where they say, hey, Microsoft, you're going to have to split yourself into five different pieces. What's the problem with just one? Well, it's, I think, I don't know a lot of the details, but just kind of one that's off the top of my head is, is the power that they have as, as one entity. So for example, uh, Microsoft has a, a track record of antitrust lawsuits against them in both um, North America and the EU, mostly in the EU, I think, uh, around basically using that power um, kind of to influence consumer choice. So I'll take a, a, the classic example was bundling Internet Explorer with, with Windows or bundling Microsoft Office with Windows. So they, they're using their power as, as in, with their dominant market share to say, you know, to, to preload their software for other areas like Office, office, um, office productivity suites, um, internet browsers, and that kind of thing. So they're using their their dominant position to push their other products. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's a big one because you're if you see something like uh, you know you buy a new machine and it comes with Norton antivirus, for example. That I think that the process for Norton and Microsoft to have worked out that partnership is a lot more thought through. It, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily. Um, you know, become an anti-competitive thing because they're, they're two different companies. Mm-hmm. It's not like Microsoft, you know, as long as Microsoft doesn't have a vested interest in, in pushing, uh, you know, Norton's, um, you know, you know, what, what do they stand to gain from that? Right. Having, you know, forcing, basically forcing companies to have that kind of relationship rather than um, totalitarianism. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's in Microsoft's best interest to preload all of their software, paid or not, with trial versions, for example. And, and then the, for the consumer, it becomes easy to be like, oh, well, this is already on my machine. I know how to use it. I've been using it for free and came with the computer. Okay, now I, I use Office now without, without looking at any of the other things. Like Corel, for example, the Office suite that was popular up until, I bet, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Microsoft bundling Office was the reason that Corel got clobbered. What what do you mean they bundled? Um, Bundled, um, Microsoft bundled with? So that would mean um, as part of Windows. So so let's say either you buy a Windows CD, download it, or it becomes becomes preloaded on your computer when you buy it. It would be Microsoft has pre-installed that application. Right. And, you know, it's it's there on the machine already kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You're reminding me, you know, I, I... one of these things that I struggle with making sense of, I mean, you make complete sense to me and we're on the same page, I think. Um, and what I would like hopefully to do is find some area where maybe we don't agree because that's what makes the most, uh, <laughs> that's what's most interesting, but maybe that won't happen in this chat. I don't know, but you know, operationalizing this idea of power, like you, you bring up a very good point. Uh, you, you don't want one company to have too much power, but what does that mean? And it makes me think of um, a great thinker uh, who's now recently passed in the last couple of years, Zygmunt Bauman. And he said, you know, politics and power, he said, you know, politics is the thing 
that is to know what to do and power is the capacity to do it. And, um, you know, in, in Microsoft's case, I mean, obviously their, their politics are, you know, inviting people to only operate within their ecosystem. Uh, and certainly when you're buying a, a computer that's not an Apple product, I mean, you're, you're sort of, you're, you're buying into that, that particular ecosystem. Are you, would you consider yourself one or the other, sort of an Apple or an Android person? I mean, like Apple, versus Apple, Android, Windows, Linux, like, um, it's a good question. I would say I'm kind of, kind of mixed. Like, uh, I prefer for work and for software development, I prefer Mac for phones. I prefer Android and for my personal use, I prefer Mac hardware way, way back in way back in the day when I got my first Mac, the intention was to actually run windows on it because the, the hardware is far superior to anything else that any other manufacturers got. Mm. So I, I, uh, I was a windows guy back then. And, but I, I've since moved pretty much primarily to, to Mac for both, both, uh, work and personal. Mm -hmm. What is, um, what is Linux? Uh, Linux is uh, an alternative operating system like, um, you know, like Mac. It's just open source. So it's, it's free and, uh, and open source. I'm glad that you went there because I have, you know, that's on my topic list. Um, what is open source? How do you make sense of that? And why, why is that important these days? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> I'll try not to, uh, I'm not going to come close to the Wikipedia definition, that's for sure. But uh, basically open source is uh, kind of intellectual property in, that's in public domain. So mostly free of license and restrictions. You know, the licenses vary, but the idea there is that you can take an open source project, modify it however you'd like and repurpose it, use it for, for whatever whatever you want, and you have the option to contribute back. What are some like? Uh, to, oh, I'm sorry, I did it again. To the original project, so you could look at uh, LibreOffice, for example. That's an application that's open source, and it's a uh, an open source alternative to Microsoft Office and and all of the other productivity suites. So you, right now, could go check out the source code, make a change, so you could make a little change like let's say you are an english major and there's dialogue boxes that that have english text and they're explaining hey are you sure you want to delete this file kind of thing it says something like that and you find a grammar error you can go and contribute a fix to that to that code mm -hmm. or you can take that project build it yourself with your fix and that's the version that you use now i'm considering uh, i mentioned to you before and operating system off of Android, um, Graphene OS, which was sort of developed by someone in Toronto, um, marketed as this sort of safe alternative to Google's um, far-reaching ecosystem. Can you give other examples of what, you know, where do you see open source types of things? I'm thinking of cyber currency. Well, that, that was a good example. Um, 
if if graphene os is like an android derivative the core software for android is open source so that community that's developing graphene os would have would have taken the source code for um for Android that's been open sourced and built upon it or changed things that they didn't like or hardened the privacy. It's a, a similar story for uh, BlackBerry when they had their, uh, right when they got rid of their BlackBerry operating system phones and started doing Android phones. So they took Android, the open source version, and they hardened it. They took all of the kind of security conscious practices that they've been doing for years on the BlackBerry phones and applied those to, to Android. So that's that's kind of the idea there of, of open source. You can you can take something that's out there in the community domain, and you can repurpose it. You can build upon it. You can contribute back. So, for example, BlackBerry contributed back in in multiple ways on on those security improvements. Uh, they worked with Samsung as well, and and you can see some of those changes are are in the core Android system now, as well as in um, uh, Samsung Knox. Can you think of any other burning uh, examples that you that you care to share? Or um, I, I want to get into the idea of cyber currency, although maybe that's off topic. I don't know. But people that aren't like I'm, if my grandma listened to this podcast, God love her, or my folks, most people the perception would be you know cyber currency is a lot less safe. Would you agree with that? Um, no, I mean, not particularly it's a different kind of beast. Like for example, the, as far as I'm aware, the software that's behind, let's say Bitcoin, that's open source. You can go and look at how the currency works, how it's uh, you know, how it's mined and, and all of that stuff. I believe I have to double check that. Maybe, maybe we'll have to cut this whole portion. No, out I'm lying. None of, it, full none, of shit. none of it's going to be cut out, <laughs> but I, you know, I'll just cut out snippets where we're awkward and have to run to the bathroom. Oh, very refreshing. Yeah, so so to, to, to kind of answer your question there, like safety, I think the whole idea there is that like it's safe from manipulation from external entities like, like the government just prints money whenever they want and that, that then uh, drives inflation. Whereas with, um, with Bitcoin, you can't just print Bitcoins. You can't just print the digital currency. It needs, um, you know, there's no way to manipulate it like that. Well, I, I really don't. You probably know more about it than I do. Um, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more. Is there a diff, is there a, a finite amount of um, Bitcoins? I don't myself know all of the details. I just know that uh, basically it's set up as kind of like a, a mining simulation type thing. So your computer does work in order to mine Bitcoins. So you don't get Bitcoins for free. You have to put in work. And in this, the work in this, these terms is computing power to actually uh, find or mine Bitcoins. So, and is that is that work you know involved with the maintenance of the infrastructure or like what kind of work? In technical, like basically, it's an encryption type algorithm, and and the work that the computer is doing is to try and crack the encryption. And when you crack it, you are awarded a Bitcoin, basically one, I believe it, or. Is it 50 Bitcoins? I, I don't remember the details. I, I dealt with this a, a long time ago. I had my, my machine mining Bitcoins 
a long time ago. So do, um, do you do you dabble? Like, have you got cyber? Have you got any? Or can you have you got any to spare? I I I I, I sold them and I, I shouldn't have. I had two or three bitcoins in oh must have been twenty fourteen or something like that, and they were worth I don't know three hundred bucks or something. Should have kept them. What is it now? Like twenty thousand dollars. I, I don't, I have no idea. I'm, I'm oblivious to this. I just know that it exists. Yeah. I think it's like 20 K. If I would have held on to those, I would have had, uh, I had like $60,000 <laughs> in bitcoins. What is money when you have love though? I, I think you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're doing all right. I could take $60,000 in bitcoins too. <laughs> yeah, sure. You certainly chose the right industry. You know, um, there's, you know, it, if and when I have children, they'll be encouraged certainly to do coding and uh, to be understanding of, of software. Um, but you, I want to go to the term that you used earlier, you know, hardened up. And, uh, and that's something that I've only heard about more recently since I started reading on Graphene OS and how to, you know, better secure. I use a VPN recently and um, I'm wondering how you go about personally, you know, keeping yourself uh, secure online. Good question. Um, I'm pretty uh, negligent in my online protection. Well, then maybe in, in the in the nature of your work, um, there's probably an architecture uh, designed to keep you know patent ideas and secret trades. Uh, you know, so help us understand what can folks do to to be more secure, like what is a VPN or what are the basics and just like my, my parents, you know, I think have, are paying for some sort of, uh, you mentioned Norton antivirus, like what's your opinion on that? Yeah. The, the, the VPN thing. Uh, yeah, it, it makes sense. Like for example, probably every company who's working remote right now that has on-site IT infrastructure. So like shared folders and shared data and, connected email and all that fun stuff uh, is guaranteed to have a, a VPN connection for each employee's remote computer into the, the office infrastructure. VPN stands for virtual private network for anyone that has no idea what that is. Maybe you can just describe like what is, what is the purpose of, uh, of having a virtual private network? Yeah. So I mean, in the, in the terms of, of work from home, basically giving you access to, to the network in your office building as if you were actually there plugged into the wall or there on the Wi-Fi network. So you, you tunnel in through a VPN and, and you can access resources as if you were actually there. So you are virtually on their network. And in the terms of home use, it's more to protect, you know, someone would use that to tunnel to say Bermuda and, and have all their traffic unidentified from its origin. So, you know, you're in Canada or you're in the Netherlands and you're running your traffic to Bermuda on the outside where it's coming out, all of the observers think you're in Bermuda. So, you know, it's, it's a way to protect yourself and anonymize your traffic. It's also good. A fact, you know, it's also, I'm interrupting you again, but for good reason, because there's something to be said about, you know, obtaining information. Like I, on YouTube, I'm blocked from certain content. I, I like uh, to follow a certain news outlet in the U S and they don't allow me to listen to it. Uh, if I'm not from, if I'm not in the U S so I often flip my VPN to say, Oh, I'm in Chicago, Chi town. 
Yeah, getting some tacos. Well, more like deep dish pizza, my friend. <laughs> that, that was a topic on another uh, episode, and uh, Chicago is known for its deep dish. Yeah, well, that yeah, that that's another one uh, to circumvent geo restrictions. I, I personally am uh, not into the whole, uh, you know, content licensing schemes that every every greedy company has going on right now. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, if, if I wanted to access American Netflix or if I wanted to access, you know, content in the UK, I, I would uh, have no moral qualms with, with VPNing to a location that made it appear as if I was there and accessing that content. What would the moral qualm even be? I don't know that, you know, the, there's a reason why it's not accessible in Canada or, or outside that domestic area. And it's, it's usually you know, it, it maybe be the same argument as, as piracy, you know, down, going, going and downloading a movie. Yeah, I'd equate those two things as, as similar. The license restrictions for a movie say that you're not allowed to, to download it. The license restrictions of, of a broadcast in the UK say that it, it's only meant for consumption by, by citizens of the UK who pay UK taxes. So I'd say those, those two things are similar and, uh, I'm <laughs> is VPN in any way like controversial in your mind? Like having a personal VPN, is that any acknowledgement or sign of, you know, that like I think of the common argument, well, if you've got nothing to hide, then why should you need that? Well, it depends. Like that's kind of maybe analogous to, hey, do you want 24 uh, seven video monitoring and audio mo- audio audio monitoring in your home broadcast to the whole world and you could you know you could say okay now now does that same does that same sentiment apply i okay i've got nothing to hide you can you can monitor me while i shower you can uh you know you can have my domestic fights broadcast openly to anyone who wants to to watch them you know it's that kind of thing if you're cruising on the internet who's to say that some of your traffic isn't isn't extremely personal or extremely intimate i mean you know you you could be seeking mental health help on on the internet and that's that that borders into the realm of uh protected by medical laws and you know that that's the type of stuff that sure like a if you take a step far enough back it's like yeah i've got nothing to hide but if you see the treasure trove of data that that can be collected about you, I think you'd quickly change your mind. As, you know, just like watching a replay of your domestic fight that everybody just watched. If your home was under surveillance, mm. your did you say domestic fight? Uh, domestic, you know, whatever dispute. dispute. Oh, you're not even <laughs> married, Greg. You're not even married. Yeah, yeah. Tell me that's not yeah, a, yeah, yeah. That's not a reality. That's something that I interact with too much in my. Uh, in my work, um, God, intimate partner violence is gross. It's something that I see. I never knew. Fortunately, I don't think either of us really witnessed that growing up. And it's like, it's a real thing. No. Yeah. And yeah. And no, I'm speaking only a domestic dispute is what I meant to say, you know, like uh, the dispute about whether there should be celery in the spaghetti or not. And, uh, you know, I feel very strongly that there should be spaghetti or uh, celery in the spaghetti. So Sometimes it gets a little out of hand. If your mom was, uh, if your mom was um, offering spaghetti, would she still cut up your noodles for you, or is you're doing that yourself now? No, she'd still do it. Yeah, she knows how I like it. 
There's so many, you know, topics. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm deciding, you know, which one is most important. But I think we should linger still for a second more on this idea of uh, VPN. I mean, is it controversial? Do you think? And uh, and how is using a VPN to tunnel out of my personal residence different from not using a VPN and logging into my bank, for example? I don't know if it's con- controversial. Um, I guess maybe it could be controversial if you're using it to do, to to mask illicit activities like uh, who who knows what, like child pornography or something. Oh, geez. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you are on the Rex Crim show, and and that is, uh, I mean, my mind is is uh, is always focused on risk averse, and and in a way, you know, which is stigmatic and uh, and controversial. So. So, I mean, with any technology, I guess we'll agree there's, it's about the intention of how it's used. Good could be good or bad. You could mask your identity if you're a, if you're a child predator and a technologically savvy one. But, you, you know, I think there's something um, to be said also about the onus of responsibility on oneself in our digital age to protect your data. Um, you and I always joked about in regular telephone calls, you know, who was monitoring our calls. And here we are on a call that's purposefully being, uh, being recorded by <laughs> its data that, you know, we, we, or at least I'll have uh, full, uh, full control over for the most part. I mean, I guess it'll go out to the public and people can do with it as they see fit, but um, I digress. So um, yeah, I want to go into the topic of piracy now that you brought it up. What's your opinion on the ethics of piracy? I'm a pirate, man. <laughs> oh, you are? It, it depends. It, it's a sliding scale of whether I feel something is piracy worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of effort, too, that, that it takes to, to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in, back in the olden days, you know, it would be no... It wouldn't be atypical for for me to you know have pirated Microsoft Office and and shared it with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. You know, here's the here's the community disk of Office with the with the stolen key. <laughs> here's this. You, uh, speaking of pornography, I think you were uh, in a very early age. You were able to acquire uh, before you know the streaming stuff. I remember, uh, although I guess it would have been pretty soft core. It's hard to know. I might have taken. I might have taken a commission. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a whole that's piracy on another level. That's not you just doing it for the goodwill of your fellow adolescent. <laughs> but um, but um, just linking with the idea earlier of art and obscenity. I mean, uh, probably the smut that we might have looked at uh, once upon a time is is not like the streaming stuff that uh, that's available today. So oh, it's, it's it's no blue new e uh, so i'm told also <laughs> right 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 well there was a there was a recent uh, on a side note here there was a recent podcast i listened to on pornhub um which was like a, involved in a scandal of all sorts of um problems did you hear about this at all what, was was it on pornhub or was it about pornhub it was a it was a mainstream podcast, I think, by CBC on the topic of Pornhub. Um, you know, highlighting the concerns, the um, the problematic, uh, and you know, 
downright degrading material, you know, that was that was illegal on online underage and torturous sorts of stuff. But also a more in-depth in perspective was that, you know, there are folks who are actually earning a living on uh, Pornhub, for example. And um, this recent controversy that, that hit the news led big credit card companies like Visa and MasterCard to pull out from, you know, being involved in that seedy kind of business. So you have sex workers who are just trying to make a living that, uh, you know, are being hard, hard hit by this decision. Um, it, it was an interesting take on, on, uh, on Pornhub specifically, not that I'm a, a fan or I mean, but to be as objective as possible, it was, it was eye opening uh, about the, uh, yeah. They pulled out on Pornhub. No pun intended. <laughs> well, well played. We're um, we're slightly diverging from topic, but that's quite all right because there's not there's not really a certainly not a tight agenda. It's kind of loose and just you know whatever seems interesting. But I'm interested, uh, you know, in uh, in knowing about your your sort of um, well, you're pretty clear on your perspective on uh, piracy. Is it um, what is it? like i think legally it's kind of there's some gray area about it in canada at least yeah well i mean in, in canada it's a lot different than the than the u.s where i mean it's it's still kind of punishable and frowned upon we have set fines and like i don't think the u.s has amended anything there i think we have a max fine of five thousand bucks but you know like it, it really is on the content providers uh, creators and, and publishers to to fix the, the problem back in back in the day when i guess when i pirated more at least it was because there there was no alternative right like uh, we were not being provided content in a form that or a price that we wanted to consume it in for example you had to pay 25 bucks to get a cd of your of your favorite music so chances are you were going to go and download that or you, you look nowadays, you're paying 10 bucks a month and you can stream as much music as you want. And, you know, it's, it's the, the industry was forced to change to a paradigm that consumers are willing to, to accept, in a, you know, at a price and a convenience form that they, that they want. So in comes streaming. And I haven't downloaded an MP3 in years because mm -hmm. I just stream everything, whether it be on YouTube, I accept to watch an ad in return for for watching a, a music video or something like that or or paying for a subscription to a service like slacker or spotify similar for for netflix you know and if they don't have something on there a, a content that i would want usually that'll get pirated i mean i i don't have any i don't i don't have any um you know what do you call that uh lost feelings for uh you know, for the movie industry losing out on on my uh, on my money when they're uh, you know everyone at industry is getting paid millions and millions of dollars i'm not uh, i'm not too concerned about not giving them any more to add to that pile i love this idea of you know traditionally it's in terms of law and order you know it seems like there's this hard-hitting coercive element to you know complying uh follow the rules or else you're gonna get punished hard compared to nowadays it it seems rather more seductive like i'm glad 
to pay my subscription fee to Spotify for unlimited music, as you say, and uninterested. I don't need to torrent because, you know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm very happy to pay. It seems like a better deal. So it, it makes me think of a recent example in U.S. politics where right now I think the U.S. Capitol is trying to, for a second time, impeach uh, the former president who shall remain nameless. And um, and um, this is ongoing over several weeks. You know, lawmakers are trying to follow this bureaucratic process and Twitter overnight shut them off. So it, it, it really makes me wonder, like, what is the direction of of uh, of the future and who is really governing the activities of, of the world these days? I'm not familiar with that. What did what did Twitter do? They they shut off the the, the feed from the proceedings. No, no. Uh, you're familiar with POTUS, the president of the United States of America, right? Yeah. And you understand that the former president used to use Twitter quite a bit. Yeah. And would um, oftentimes tweet things which recently led to questions about his inciting a, a bit of a riot on the U.S. Capitol. You're familiar right. with that. Yeah. So after that, Twitter, like the next day said, that's it. No more POTUS. You're done. Right. Yeah, they, they just pulled his account and they said, you're not welcome here anymore. And um, it's like it's, you know, it's it's no longer it seems um, the laws, uh, although coincidentally, this is happening in the U.S., but and a lot of the tech seems to be happening in the governed by U.S. laws because it happens to be in U.S. or and it's it's making things much more ambiguous, it would seem, between you know, the way that the world is governed versus the idea of a traditional country where there's laws and orders, like my point being, you know, how long does it take Congress to determine whether there was wrongdoing, whereas Twitter is like, okay, pull the plug, you're done. Yeah. And that's kind of maybe part of the danger of, of using a third party platform to, I guess, to conduct official business mm -hmm. or maybe i don't know how much of how much of his tweets you would call official business it was seemed more like it was his he used it as his personal twitter account to be honest yeah. wow. <laughs> rather than official business but uh yeah that is interesting like you know a platform can just unilaterally decide okay well we we don't like your messaging we don't like you you're gone it's like this idea of cancel culture um oh yeah that, uh, that whole thing. <laughs> you, you sound bitter like you've been canceled recently. <laughs> no, everything I like gets canceled. I like Kevin Spacey and he got canceled. Funny, that's that's so fitting, you know, because the episode recently on art and uh, obscenity with my dear friend Bases Loaded, you know, we talked about that same idea. I brought up the topic of Kevin Spacey. And I mean, I'm a fan. And am I now to throw away all my Bill Cosby records and my, you know, my, yeah, my, my K-Packs, my favorite, you know, Kevin Space movie. That's not my favorite Kevin Space movie, but that's the first. Uh, one I watched it on. the other day. It's fantastic. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kevin Spacey, Life of David Gale, Usual Suspects. I, I love all his movies. His work. I mean, he, he did great work. He was an artist uh, in that way, and um, it's kind of difficult, you know, as ask well i don't want to get go down this rabbit hole too far but i also asked my my uh my previous interviewees you know like to what degree must should i acknowledge my 
prejudice and bias, you know, as a white, cis, uh, heterosexual male with privilege? Like, to what extent, like, should I announce that just off the bat in, in when I'm starting a meeting these days? Yeah, the, the disclaimer of, uh, I haven't seen what you've seen. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I don't know. I get a lot of that from my partner, that, that kind of thing. I, I you mean you're soon to, you're soon to be wife yeah well i mean i i complain about this cancel cancel culture stuff and she's always for the the other perspective of you're you know she she's often heard to say that you're you're a white privileged privileged male yeah. <laughs> and i'm like yeah sure i mean okay but, well do you make room for the possibility i mean if if you know well if, well let's see well let's take it this way if if kevin spacey was a homosexual black man. I think the same thing would have happened to him. It's, um, I think it's like, to be honest, I highly doubt that the, the networks and the, the producers were truly even um, shocked firstly, or even disappointed in him. I think this, the, the whole cancel culture thing is, is centered around these companies just trying to appease the mobs of people on the internet. Uh, you know, you get these hashtags going and you you get a bunch, a group of enraged people and it, it turns into a snowball because, you know, someone wants to be, someone, everybody wants to find something to, you know, to fight for or something to complain about or some cause to join. And it, it becomes this giant out of control monster of like mob mentality. Uh, like it, it, I don't know all of Kevin Spacey's wrongdoings. I, I heard about the one thing where he uh, may have coerced a, a young boy at some point previous in his career. And I mean, like that, I don't know if he has a habitual case of doing things like Harvey Weinstein. That's probably like, well, the, that's, um, that's probably the extreme, but let's, let's say, for example, Kevin Spacey did one thing 30 years ago, which is like not okay then. And it's, it's probably not okay now, but he, you know, dr drudging up someone's personal demons. I'm sure he wasn't happy, you know, proud of himself. And then you you bring that into the public, and then you get a whole bunch of idiots online who who create a mob behind it and kind of ostracize the guy until his employers feel compelled to release him from his, you know, making a his work. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and then you know, and then and then uh, ban him from the industry. It's like what? But of course this perspective that we're taking you know if if i'm agreeing with you is part of the problem ostensibly i mean just to play devil's advocate you you much of the work that you do is in tech and would you say that it's it involves code coding yeah yeah and 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 what do you think is you know the primary demographic of um, folks in silicon valley i don't know about in the states but um at least in in Canada, from what I've seen, I think it's it's a it's a pretty good mix of of many nationalities and demographics. Like there's and genders, genders not so much. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty much we can agree it's mostly men, right? I say it's it's mostly men and and most people in in power in play, like positions of management and uh, from my experience typically tend to be white males. That's in Canada. In in Canada, from my experience, um, you know, maybe that's not true all the way up to like executive levels, but at least like uh, 
you know, first line and, and director level management from my experience has been primarily, primarily that. Is there any um, one in particular or any heroes that you have um, nowadays in, in sort of the tech industry? Um, who do you look up to in, in tech? It's uh, a good question. I, uh, I tend to hate everyone equally. So I, I, it's not, I, I don't usually say that I, I, I like someone or dislike someone. I, I usually would, would say that I, I dislike everyone equally or, and, and with few, with a few exceptions. So I, I don't really care for any of these people <laughs> particularly, to be honest. Um, they're, they're all doing what they do. It's the bittersweet in our relationship, some might say. I mean, I'm the, the eternal optimist, which I guess makes you the the uh, pessimist. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I, I don't know if there there's a specific specific one. I'd say like, I, no, I'd, but any any that come to mind. I'd, I'll 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 do a contrast for you. I actually I was complaining about this the other day. Um, a, a contrast between two very rich people. So we take Elon Musk and Jeff. Bezos, for example, mm-hmm. who, who in my mind are, are polar opposites. Um, they do similar things like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are, have space initiatives. Um, but if we take that one example, Elon Musk's space initi- initiatives are, they're intertwined with NASA, they're intertwined with hum- humanity's goals of going to Mars and exploring and then Jeff Bezos, on the other hand, his goals are all around selling seats for people to take trips to the moon. So, and this, this kind of thing plays through a lot of the things they do. Um, Elon Musk makes a car company to change the world by switching off fossil fuels and solar companies and this and that. Jeff Bezos does things that Jeff Bezos likes, and, and it seems more like to advance his legacy and kind of pat himself on the back or things he thinks are cool. Whereas the majority of things that Elon Musk does is betterment of the man of mankind and to advance our condition and, and and things. So I, I'd say there's just, we just lost you there. There was an internet glitch. Um, So just reiterate the last uh, minute or so of what you were saying, the difference between Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. The last minute. (laughs) Well, the last 30 seconds, not to give you any more uh, reason to gripe about, but I, I am seeing a bit of a glitch. Uh, yeah, so am I. And if we, if, we, if we kill the video, if we kill the video, that could help. Let, let me switch to another. Okay, I just switched to a different Wi-Fi. Oh, interesting. You got a couple in your house? Yeah. That's interesting, too. Okay. What was the last thing I said? You were, you were just um, telling me mostly the difference between you know Jeff Bezos, which seems to be more commercially orientated, uh, versus um, Elon Musk, who seems to be a little bit more humanitarian focused. Yeah, so he, I feel like you know Elon Musk is doing things to advance our species and it, it advance you know like getting internet out to people who who can't get it in rural areas. Like these these are things that are are helping people, helping the planet, um, helping to advance us as a species. It, with uh, Jeff Bezos, the things that he does are to. Uh, make himself more money and increase his legacy as he sees it. This is my impression anyways, mm-hmm. you know, based on their actions. So I, I'd say I don't necessarily have any heroes, but I, I can definitely point at the ones who are, um, you know, 
he's he hoards he's hoarding one of the largest stashes of money in in the world all to himself and just you know to have his legacy well um, to- where, where where elon musk is is saying uh, he'll put up every penny he has to his name to keep tesla alive because he believes in it but i mean they're they're both they're both Uber. aren't they fighting for the 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 most wealthy people in the the two of them aren't they competing like they yeah they're they're pretty close i forget i think elon musk went above them not too long ago but then back down but the idea is like sure it's probably but i i think i'd rather see elon musk with all the money if things he's going to do with the money is um you know, going to help people in, in terms of stating your bias, then you're, you're very comfortable saying that, you know, between the two, you're, you're firmly placed on the Musk camp. Well, I don't particularly like either of them, to be honest. <laughs> like it's, it's not like I'm a, I'm a fan of Elon Musk. Like I, I'm sure like he's a dick and he's awful to work with, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, and I'm sure Bezos is the same. Uh, back, back to my thing is uh, I just like, most you know everyone equally i would just say that i dislike bezos more a little bit more than uh than most i was listening to uh elon musk's most recent uh, interview on uh on a, on a podcast and he was um describing some of his some of his recent work on rockets and um he he takes this sort of attitude that's like um you know it's kind of joking like we don't care we'll see what happens like it's all going to be okay they were talking about shaping the rocket and and uh, how it needed to be a certain shape but they thought it would look cooler by doing something else and uh and um you know so the team was like on board and they all agreed to shape it um in a different way you know just for for the sake and and the interviewer asked you know is that does does that help with the efficiency of the rocket and he's like no arguably it's going to be less efficient for the rocket you know it was all about the the optics but it makes me think of um this idea of gamification where you're seeing life increasingly gamed um you know the traditional idea of law and order as we talked about with the with potus um seems to be dissipating where now governance is being done through technology and it's a seductive way of of having you engage Uh, do you have an opinion on you know on the idea of gamification or what that means yeah um Trying to gather my wits about me on it, I've I've stumbled across a couple examples recently, and I'm trying to kind of drag them out of long-term storage in my memory. Um, Like the whole idea of like you know getting badges or like participation awards and and stuff like that, like working up to something, whether that be you know you'll see that on platforms like uh, on on Reddit, for example. I yeah, see okay. a, a little check mark when I when my comment someone likes my comment, and I had to go into the settings and say, okay, I don't want any indication of when people like I don't want this interrupting my day. I don't want it causing my phone to go off. Right. I don't want it, you know, capturing my attention. I want to limit. I just want to look at Reddit when I want to look at it, not when it tells me to say, hey. Yeah. Well, I think like you know if we look at like old school gamification before social media, it would be, you know, getting to the next level or like, let's say Pokemon, you know, collecting enough, you know, all the Pokemon and, you know, Oh, I've got 50 Pokemon. And 
there, there was a bit of an altern, uh, ulterior motive to Pokemon Go, I understand. Do you Are you aware of that? I have no idea. I, I was thinking like old school, like Game Boy, Pokemon, oh, Pokemon so, on the Game Boy. And then... But for this is a great example. I'm glad you brought that up and brought that front of mind because the Pokemon phenomenon uh, more recently in the last few years where people were walking around mindlessly um, trying to collect Pokemon, right? You're familiar with that? Yeah, I, they, um, I live near a park and I, I'd, I, I just randomly see like 20 cars just converge on the park and, and a bunch of zombies walking around glued to their phone. I'm like, what the hell are these people doing? After like the fifth time of these people hanging around my house, I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> but the, 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 the concept of the game is I think there's, there's something else going on and if you look a little deeper it didn't it turn out that that there was mapping happening like the process of um, pokemon go was to better develop the map on google maps or something like that i have no idea but i wouldn't be surprised does that yeah that makes sense to you and i have to fact check that um, maybe someone can look into that for me but i believe i i believe that makes sense and i think i read that in a reputable but I can't reference it. Maybe I'll have to find something to put it in the show notes, but doesn't that make sense? You know, this idea of gamification, you're ostensibly doing one thing, but there's an ulterior motive. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I, I think we, we touched on a little bit before too, is like there's gamification and then there's gamification where it involves social media. Then it's like, you're collecting it. It's, it's like, it, you're no longer kind of collecting badges or trophies for your own personal satisfaction you're you're collecting them to show off to other people like oh i've i've got all these badges by my name and everyone can see them and you know you're you're fighting for social status via these gamification type things you know if the president uh, of the united states retweets one of your racist tweets you know that you're now you've got like social capital on that, right? You're you, it, they've gamified whatever to up your social standing now based on, on social media feedback. It's uh, I, I think that's way more dangerous than what gamification was 10 years ago before all this Facebook stuff. What do you make sense? Of, how do you make sense of, um, I mean, gamification requires coding and, uh, and that's a regular part of your day to day. I think I say it like I have any, like I have a clue what, what coding involves. I don't, but, um, clearly if you'll agree, there's mostly men and whether they're white or whatever ethnicity, but if, if there's a, uh, a homogeneous type of group that are developing most of the codes, that go into the software which are being used, you know, does it not raise this issue of, of, of prejudice and bias? Um, I mean, is it not fair to say that those, the, the people such as yourself who are doing the coding, who have their own bias and prejudices become more privileged in the way the code is rendered? I'm not sure if I follow. Okay. Well, let me think of how I can rephrase it. You work with a team and let's say it's a mini version of Silicon Valley north of the border but by and large most people who code are men and we'll just stick with that homogeneous category okay so therefore the people who are writing the code are have have a particular way of looking at the world they have a worldview that is you know male orientated more or less 
So therefore, wouldn't it make sense that the final product, the software, so to speak, that, that comes out of whatever is being designed is going to privilege the perspective of, of males? I mean, it, it, it definitely could. Uh, like you'll, you'll potentially see like ideas and representation that only makes sense in, for example, the, the Western world. But that's that's assuming that that the application or platform we're talking about is truly multinational, and you know, for for a lot of cases, like China would have uh, completely separate applications. But you know, you, you could see, for instance, like avatars or something. You know, default avatars. I don't know if it's still true, but you know, even looking back ten years, it would you know the default avatar is like a white dude. <laughs> is right. like and that that's probably because the person who made it it's like a white dude mm-hmm. or at least the or at least the, the manager on the project was a white dude or or, the, or even just you know the perfect example is the thumbs up if you look on uh, on whatever app you're using i think it used to be just a right one color but now there's a whole spectrum of colors that you can choose in terms of how you identify them am, am i right do you, do you follow yeah and, and I, would, I would almost argue that that was the wrong way to go because Previously, it was like a Simpsons hand, which was like uh, race none. There was no race associated to a Simpsons character. You know, like you're just a yellow dude, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, it's a generic character hand, character's hand that's not tied to any one race. And then now with the introduction of all the different skin tones, well, now you've you've made something racial that was originally completely unracial, racially uh, like tagged or anything so so i i i found that whole move very strange to be honest because i i felt more comfortable myself when there was no question of race in my emoji selection Mm -hmm. it's like you know i i mean like maybe the only place where it could be helpful is you know maybe you're talking to someone anonymously and if they're a black guy maybe they'll give you a black guy thumbs up and be like oh i didn't know he was a black guy like but I don't see how that's important at, at all. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was better when it was uh, when it left race completely out of the equation. But it shows how it, it sort of tries to adapt according to the uh, the public discourse or whatever the issue is at hand. I mean, as much as my, my earlier point is the coding is biased because it's done by a particular group. But, you know, the counter argument, I guess, is with enough feedback with public outrage and discourse and conversation about it, you know, it, it then adapts and it becomes uh, more, um, more color of the rainbow, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the workforce continues to diversify. There, there's more and more women every day. So, you know, it, it'll, it'll change as it goes. And, you know, there, there's a lot of like some of this stuff is, you know, wouldn't even necessarily be, uh, dictated by a group of programmers, something like, let's say the, the design of an, of an application or a social media platform or whatever that would usually, you know, we're, us as, um, software engineers in, in that field, typically in a big enough company will be told how things should look, how they should interact. You know, there's user experience designers that would design the, the experience graphic designers who would design all the graphics and really would be only involved in kind of the technical implementation and, and the, those technical details under the hood. So in, in some cases, it, it may not even come down to the, the demographics of the, the actual engineering team. 
I, I don't know what the demographics are for user experience and, and user interface designers. And I, I can tell I can tell you from one of my past uh, employers, the majority of of the team doing those uh, were female. Interesting. Did you find it much of a difference uh, between uh, interactions on team male and team female? It, it it actually it was it was kind of interesting having a predominantly male team that was interacting with a predominantly female team uh and having like having these different responsibilities it, it was kind of a, a bit of a weird dynamic because it, it kind of maybe went back to a little bit of gender stereotypes because you know women are responsible for this area and men are responsible for this area kind of thing and that you know that's it wasn't anything that was like, uh, you know, didn't cause issues in the workplace or anything, but it, it is an interesting dynamic. There wasn't any like quid pro quo going on for uh, <laughs> you, des- you design yeah. it this yeah. way and, um, you know, a bit of data yeah, and extracurricular activities. Yeah, you put put the check mark where I want it and uh, <laughs> we'll see you tonight for a drink. <laughs> no, no, I think that I think that kind of candor's uh dangerous in the workplace i uh, have spent the, the majority of my of my career avoiding women in the workplace not avoiding but like uh, avoiding any uh, hint of impropriety especially in a position where you're uh, where you're leading others yeah well i'll give you an, a, an interesting story kind of on that it's, it's a little bit of an off topic but uh, will you permit me a quick pee break oh okay let's uh i'll, I'll do a pee break too <laughs> our timing is uh almost impeccable I, we we arrived back it's almost like synchronized yeah i noticed that synchronized beer drinkers tell me uh tell me the story of um oh yeah okay so uh i didn't commit any sexual impropriety <laughs> but it, it's kind of on the on a similar according to you according to me on a similar topic and kind of looping back to the whole Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein, public shaming me too stuff. It was actually around that same time. So I was, I was conducting an interview of a female candidate with myself and uh, my manager and his manager. And um, I don't know, there, it was probably halfway through the, the allotted time. And one of them had to leave. So, so they left. I was like, okay, so that, that's fine. So we continue with the interview. And then the second one had to leave. Um, and this was, this was probably around the, about the three quarter mark. And at that point, I'm like, okay, this is not a good situation. Male alone in interview room, door shut was female candidate. The optics are, are not the, good. The optics are, the optics are not good. And it was exactly at the time of this Me Too stuff. And man, I got the hell out of there. Was the, was the female candidate a racially, uh, a racialized person or a visual minority in any way? Yes, in fact, yes. So that, so, that makes things even more um, suspect. Yeah, and like, yeah, so I, I felt very uncomfortable in that situation. Most, you know, mostly for my own skin, obviously, like, you know, saving my own ass because, you know, who knows what kind of accusations could be made there. And, and the whole thing with the, the Me Too is that any substantiated, unsubstantiated accusation turned into a witch hunt on, on Twitter. And, you know, 
some of it was proved in court and that that's great that's the right place to do it but the the court of public opinion um convicted everyone as guilty immediately so i so i i i I feel bad about it to this day. I got the hell out of there, though. I I uh, ended the interview and got out of there. So, like, wait, 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 wait a minute. So, wait a minute. You're interviewing a woman for um, a position that, like, she she potentially qualified. Like, she was a good candidate in the end. I mean, no, she well, she was an all right candidate. Like, I, I I didn't think there was any any chance of us hiring her. To be honest, like, right. So you, you, you knew, yeah, you, you knew that this was probably not, you, you had a preferred candidate elsewhere. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we interview a lot of people, regardless of, you know, some of their resumes aren't very strong, but usually give them a, give them a chance. And this, this is one of those cases. And, you know, do you have, do you have much say in going about hiring or is it like dictated to you through HR? Uh, we, you mean like my team or me and me individually? Like an applicant uh, applies to your company and, um, you know, like what is the process? Are you sort of handpicking your team or is there sort of parameters that are in place which require, you know, adherence to policies itself? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, no, no. We just have the recruiter will weed out the obvious knows and then we'll pass along all the resumes to us and it's it's at our discretion how how long how long is that short list uh, it depends uh it, it really depends on the time and and what position we're looking for like are we looking for junior senior intermediate um like we get a lot more applicants for junior like those will those will stream in like maybe 10 a day kind of thing and uh we have to go through those and and weed them out 10 i mean 10 of the the ones that made it through the recruiter um, and then it's totally up to our discretion who we interview, who we hire. We have no, um, we have no policies about like team makeup or, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. I, I forget what phrase you used, but yeah, we have discretion to, to hire what, whatever we want. So in the end, for all intents and purposes, you had a candidate that, you know, that you, you think you weren't going to be hiring, but in the end you said, more concerningly, you know, I don't want to be in a room alone with this person. The potential for allegation is too high. I let's get the heck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. And it's, you know, I, and this, this is obviously the, the privileged white males perspective, but like, you know, the, the downside to the me too and, and the whole public persecution and public uh, um, conviction of, of people is exactly situations like that. Like I don't feel comfortable in a, in a professional setting to be alone with a with a woman. On a and an unrelated topic, maybe there's a direct correlation. I don't know between the amount of beers that are consumed and the amount of plosives that come out through the microphone. But I'll just encourage that you angle the mic in a way that it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't accept uh, direct airflow from your mouth if you're using a, a hard P or B or <laughs> I learned the the term uh, the term is plosive. Does the uh, does the uh, the that windsock thing help you? At all? It does. It helps with the plosives a lot. Yeah, for that okay. for that very reason. I, well, I I had I had one of these for anyone who's listening. We're we're also on video at the same time, uh, so I'm I'm showing That's him. It, it's like a a sweatband for your for your arm now that was a that was a little bit presumptuous of you greg <laughs> although we do go back a long way but you did sort of presume 
the gender that I. Oh, yeah. Here. oh well, I see. Yeah, this so is... that that's I, I was like, oh, I'll put my armband around it. Can can you hear me? That's really cool. Very good. Yeah, that works. That works just as well. Yeah, let's hear you. All right. How's that sound? Actually, that's great. Perfect. Let, yeah. let me give was... you a couple peas. Yeah, that's excellent. Peter 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 Piper picked up. I don't even know how that goes. Pepple Pepper Pepple. It's perfect. It's exactly what I'm getting at. <laughs> anyway, the, we're we're slowly but surely. Um, sliding into what i was afraid of if we had a late show with you which was which would be sloppiness uh, so so I'll, so I'll, I'll keep pointed in my uh, i'll keep pointed in my uh, in my questions but um i guess the, the i'm not i'm not known for my friday night sobriety no no that's uh, <laughs> hey you work hard you you play hard no judgment from me um and i'm with you i'm i'm having a uh, I'm having a beer myself uh, in, in theme with the pandemic. I'll just hold it up. Well, you got it over there. The oh, oh, God. <laughs> I, I wonder how their sales have been doing. I think not good. Um, I, I So I read. It, it might. Like, I, I would, I'd be, like, inclined to, to, to get it and to drink it as just a joke. Well, that's kind uh, of what's happening now. A dear friend of mine um, gifted me an, a uh, gift certificate for the Ontario uh liquor control board store which is for anyone outside of canada or ontario that's where you have to buy liquor more or less uh, in ontario so i went into the old lcbo the lick boat as it were uh to pick up myself uh, a couple of uh, coronas and um and so here i am and uh i forgot why that was important or why i'm telling you that <laughs> we, we have some other business to attend to after you're gonna help you're, you're gonna help me with uh, a matter of security don't say the domain uh, <laughs> yeah. of my personal email address yeah. uh, specifically but you're gonna help me um, deal with uh, an earlier topic we spoke of which is security and maintaining my own personal domain which i'm having some difficulty with but um you know this i want to circle back to this idea of you know the algorithm and and the recommendation how it works um so well frankly i like it you know i i do it willingly you know i've i've made a point of consciously of reading and learning about this suspicion that i had of of being monitored and being surveilled um you know this idea that you described earlier of someone listening in on my conversation and trying to advertise me something. And um, I guess I'm struggling with, with determining these days, what then becomes my own thought versus which ideas are inserted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that can go a long way to more than just product placement. That's kind of, you know, back to that whole, Facebook scrolling through your, your list, you know, you could be slowly have ideas inserted in your, in, in your mind about, you know, like, let's say something related to an uprising or, or some, something like that. You know, the, the more of these ideas that you have inserted in your head, you know, it can, it can gradually ramp up. Not to say that, you know, these social medias are doing nefarious things that to incite violence and in ways like that. But, you know, it, it, this can also involve things that your friends are sharing also. Certainly bad actors could use it, you know, as a weapon, it would seem. Yeah. I mean, if you've got, you know, like people's Facebook accounts get compromised all the time. So if you... You know, you get a, an account that's compromised or a friend request from 
um, you know, like a, what we see going on nowadays is a, a fake, a fake duplicate of one of your existing friends, you know, request from them, then they, they get into their new, your newsfeed and, you know, that, that actor could be doing who knows what to, mm-hmm. to kind of populate your mind with, with ideas. Cause you know, you don't, you, you maybe don't look, go looking for, you know, let's say racist propaganda or something like that, but uh, it can be seeded to you through these networks. Yeah. It's, it makes me think of like concrete examples. I think of, um, I think it's Charlotte's, was it Charlottesville in the U S and some unfortunate uh, souls were, were crushed by a vehicle, you know, a, a car, someone had driven a car through um, this audience of people, but um, there was a riot that was unfolding. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm mistaken in, in conflating facts here, but essentially what had happened and cul- the culprit here again was Facebook, but a group of folks were organized to go and protest one cause on a certain date at a certain time at a certain place. And at the same time, another group that was clearly contra to the first group was organized to be in the same time in the same place for an opposite cause, you know, as though it was designed to, you know, so these arguably these bad actors had had inserted, you know, this intentional, I want to say fusion, I don't know if that's the right word, but this intentional um, dichotomy that, you know, manifested in, in utter chaos. Yeah, that's a bad one, too. That's like, uh, you know, you see in the movies where, you know, someone would uh, set something up so that, you know, your, your mistress happens to run into your wife kind of thing, mm-hmm. except uh, this is on a wider scale with a lot more violence that, uh, that could ensue. Can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine the whole capital riots thing there? If uh, if you know their their you know uh, opposite group, although who's I don't know if the the liberal minded people would be uh, storming any capitals or you know showing up with with knives and guns kind of thing. But you you could imagine you know what what that what that could be like is two two civilian populations with opposite agendas where, where at least like one of them wants to fight, you know, it's, it's, it's like the civil rebellion versus the civilians who are caught in the middle. That's like a crazy idea of like that kind of situation being manipulated by, by people who are using social media to, you know, to, to get their uh, agenda or materialize. Is it as much that people are, you know, being manipulated? I mean, in the case that I presented, that's, that's how I'm framing it. But in another way, it seems as though people are adopting these ideologies of themselves, you know, they're, they're taking on personas. I'm thinking of uh, incel folks. And while we're chatting, I, 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 I just made a note to myself, because I'm thinking how interesting it would be to find maybe on Reddit, uh, if I could infiltrate like an incel group or something and I could invite yeah. someone on the podcast. Yeah, that, that would be cool. Like, and the, the other thing with the social media too, is like you're, you've got a much broader and that's the internet in general is that you can connect with a much broader audience of people who share the same views. And then once you've got a group then becomes that kind of mob mentality or group mentality you get enough like-minded people together then you say hey let's there's a lot of people here who think the same thing let's riot and you know maybe maybe the ringleader isn't even there with good intentions maybe their intention was to incite violence 
but the platform allows them to like rally all these these people these are is this stuff that you've that you're aware of uh, I, I mean this is, i'm not opening your eyes to anything that you're not that you're not already cognizant of i think um I wonder how it impacts your decision making going forward in in coding and how you um, how you engage yourself with technology. Does it does it impact you at all? Or yeah, I I don't really work in a domain that um, really involves any of this stuff. So for me, me personally, kind of knowing that this stuff is going on doesn't doesn't really impact me. I mean, I, I think it's a it could potentially be a good opportunity for for startups or technology to be developed in this in this area of like i'm sure it's probably happening of like social threat and and maybe doing like a a reverse analysis of of the things that you're being shown on these social medias and and kind of piecing them together and, and detecting trends that would point to um manipulation and and things like that but yeah for for me in my day-to-day it's uh it doesn't really play a part for me i i think there's um so much more and you know this has been this is already a a long episode and i'll listen back to it and i'll think of things that i should have asked you or um ideas you know that will be important to to cover again so hopefully you'll be a regular um on, on future episodes of the, of the show, whatever it should become, I get the sense, you know, we're, we're hitting a point of saturation and we've kind of, uh, we've covered a lot. We've covered the most important things, at least uh, exhausted my topic list. But before we end, I, uh, and I should highlight that I'm going to have to call you right back as soon as we end, because I need your help with the domain <laughs> and, and my email. But I, um, I, I want to, well, the first and foremost, I wonder, you know, is is there something uh, that you think is important to plug? Um, is there a way that people could reach out to you if necessary? I don't think that's important. Or is there something that you think is important to plug? Or is there someone without outing them uh, and their full uh, identity that you nominate to be on the show? Uh, well, uh, my my only plug would be to uh, to get your your pet spayed and neutered. <laughs> Uh, like like Bob Barker, I think that's very important. <laughs> but uh, and maybe we could set up like a, I don't know an anonymous. Uh, that'd be cool to have like an anonymous, uh, or rather like an inbox at uh, you know that's involved with the show for each for each guest I've, or something. I have one. I've set it up. I, I I've already announced it. It's uh, it's rexcrimshow at gmail.com. And if folks have a keen interest in you know sharing ideas of what they want to hear or what they want to say, uh, they can they can reach us there. Uh, so rexcrimshow at gmail.com is is one channel that they can give feedback. Oh, they, for. they can get me through proxy there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you can reach, uh, you can reach him. Uh, but for the law enforcement uh, and authorities, then rest assured, there's VPN. So yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think though um, we were we were skyping with um, with a group earlier. I was alluding to, and there's one person that comes to mind. Well, maybe both of them would like to be on the show. But I, I was asking about nominations, and uh, there's one fellow that's coming to my my mind. I wonder if he comes to your mind as well. I'm looking for. A critic yeah well I, I think uh if you're talking about the our, our last uh online foray 
could we say his last name or is that a, is that un, is that unfair? That's probably unfair. So, and uh, if it's the same fellow that I'm thinking of, that I'm sure we're both thinking of, what would be the the nature of uh, of the chat him and I would uh, undertake? Not the one that works at Microsoft. Oh, the one. Like okay. Yeah. Oh man, I I, I you talk about anything with that guy uh he's he's certainly opinionated yeah very opinionated uh he reads a lot so uh he's a, a wealth of knowledge both uh, historical and present day so that cer- certainly more uh knowledgeable than i am on on a lot of those things including you know politics politics and what's going on in the world i uh I keep my myself in in my uh, conservative lane generally. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll reach out to him, and he'll be the basis of a future uh, chit chat. Uh, but for now, it'll have to be one on one since um, since I'm subscribing to the Zoom platform uh, in, a, in only a basic and free account. But we'll see if things expand in the future, and we could uh, get get the both of you on. We could have a panel. We have a whole. We can have a whole argument that's televised. That, that that could be in 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 the near future, indeed. I um, I'm mindful that uh, I'm mindful of your time and uh, and of my time and having to chop up uh, a clip like this. And uh, I'm gonna be selfish and borrow you off the air for for help with some uh, security keeping of my own. Before we we wrap up, you know, I think it's uh, it's been. Um, you know, just a scratch of the surface, I think, into the beautiful mind that that, that is yours. I think, as I say, there'll be ideas and I want to better explicate in a future episode. So maybe I'll be more prepared and, and we'll sit down and do proper interview style rather than conversation. So for now, thank you uh, for coming on the Rex Crim Show, one of the very first uh, to make a debut. And uh, I'll give you the the closing word if you if you care to have it all right well uh thanks for having me it was a it was a ball and uh i have a pink windsock on my on my microphone i thought i just i just have to be completely transparent that it is pink i guess that uh that helps balance out some of the male privilege i that you you're alluding yeah. to earlier <laughs> hey my favorite color is pink does that does that make me a feminist? We'll uh, we'll we'll stick with the the moral of the story, which is to neuter your pets. Yes, exactly. Well, God love you, Greg. Thanks for coming on. I'm gonna hang up on you now, and I'll probably call you right back. All right. 